how could I be so naive? Like I told myself I wouldn't be this naive. And so like all those thoughts, right? And I'm in the shower and I'm like crying. And then I was like, wait a minute. Like, I ate the food. The depression was gone. It was definitely gone. Then I ate the food. Then I had this like horrible digestive reaction. Then I got itchy and now I'm depressed. Like logically this is caused by that. But I couldn't, like it was hard to get that in my head with the depression back. Welcome to the Fat Emperor Podcast. I'm your host, Ivor Cummins. We're supported by the Irish Heart Disease Awareness Charity, which advocates a simple CT scan to reveal your CAC score. So know your score and take action to prevent that premature heart attack. Everything you need to know will be right here. Hey, Michaela, I'm delighted to meet you here finally. Nice to meet you too. Yeah, I've been trying to catch up with you, but you're living in Canada and I mostly just go U.S. stateside. Yeah, yeah. It's not worth visiting in the winter anyway. Yeah. Well, I think we'll start off with your fascinating story. Now, I know you've told it many times, but it's a story worth retelling in my mind. So if you maybe go through your kind of younger years and the challenges you began to experience and then through to your kind of revelation, if you will, and how you began to address those issues. Okay, okay. Um, I'll run through this like as quickly as I can. It's a lot. Um, I started experiencing symptoms of juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was, when I was two. Um, my mom noticed I walked funny. So I was actually formally diagnosed juvenile rheumatoid arthritis um, at age seven. Was put on Enbrel, methotrexate, and naproxen. Uh, and I was the first kid in Canada actually to be put on Enbrel, uh, and I had 35 active joints, um, when I was first diagnosed and most of them were, uh, shot with cortisone, which actually did improve my mobility at the time. So it was like my, all my big joints, it was basically every joint except for my spine, like my jaw, it was everywhere. Uh, then was taking those medications and then in grade five I got put on SSRIs for really severe depression and I was having like severe enough that I was having like suicidal ideation as a kid Uh, and my parents kind of clued in because my dad has this severe depression or had this severe depression Um, and so he kind of saw it in me and brought me to a psychiatrist they put me on medication which honestly made a huge difference Um, so and like I, you'll see, I have a problem with the medical system, but we didn't know what was going on. And the SSRIs really helped when I was a kid. Uh, they brought other problems, but they helped. Um, then when I, then when I was 14, I got diagnosed with, I didn't get diagnosed. I started experiencing really horrible fatigue. So fatigue and itching everywhere. And I didn't have a rash or anything. I was just really, really itchy. Like I kind of ignored it, but it was like mosquito bite itchy. And I was exhausted. When I was 17, I I got my hip and ankle replaced. So even though I was on these immune suppressants, uh, whatever was causing this arthritis was bad enough that even with the medication, um, my cartilage just disappeared from my hip and ankle in a year. Uh, And that was a rough year. It was like May, I got my hip replaced. November, I got my ankle replaced. I was on OxyContin for the entire year. Uh, It was it was like the worst year of my entire life. It was really horrible. <laughs> um, and then I went off to university and my diet deteriorated because I started eating like a university student eats, um, which was basically, it's basically cinnamon toast crunch 
and ginger ale and pierogies and Mr. Noodles. Right. Yeah. Okay, so that's not, not high-nutrient-dense ancestral food, shall we say. No, not at all. And I had no idea about that. And I also didn't really think it mattered because from what I knew, first of all, I didn't know grains were a problem. I thought grains were still healthy. Uh, I, was, I still thought, you know, everything in moderation and it's just diet, right? I mean, it's just exercise. So I, that's still what I thought. So I was like, well, I can, I'm skinny. I can eat all these terrible things. Uh, and then it doesn't matter. So within the first month of going away to university, my mental health deteriorated even further. And by Christmas, it's like three months of eating worse than I'd been eating at home. Uh, I was having hypomanic episodes and I was still on, uh, I had tried to up my uh, antidepressants. I'd gone to a walk-in clinic and said like, something is wrong, I need more. And they'd said, well, actually, um, this is associated with heart problems. So we're gonna have to cut it in half. And I like burst into tears in the walk-in clinic and they're like, okay, actually, you know what? Just stay, stay where you are for now. But, um, I went on another, I went on Wellbutrin and I upped that, um, 450 milligrams a day and ended up having a seizure from that amount of medication. I tried switching over to an SNRI that made me really, really angry. Um, so I stopped that right away, but my mental health mostly is what deteriorated. Um, I, I always kind of had arthritis, but mental health just got shot. I started gaining weight and I moved back home the second year of university because I was like, I was crazy. I was sleeping all the time. Um, my fatigue got to a point where I was like, I couldn't, couldn't wake up. I was, my roommates would come in at like 4 PM and be like, wake up, wake up, wake up. I'd be like, oh, I'm tired. I'd get up and then I would drink because drinking helped me wake up. And so my parents were like, well, you're sleeping all the time because you're drinking all the time. And I was like, well, maybe, but drinking makes me feel awake and nothing makes me feel awake. Um, so it was hard to figure out what was caused by me and what wasn't caused by me. Yeah. But you acknowledge though, and this is interesting, some people who are very frustrated, disappointed with the medical system, they become anti-everything, but the medications, although they would cause negative deleterious effects, they gave you a huge boost at times. They, they did what you needed at that time, many of them. Well, um, the, like, it's harder to, yeah, it's hard to say, like, uh, the cortisone injections when I was a kid, I went from not being able to walk to running around when I went on the Enbrel, the immune, um, the immune suppressant. But I still needed a hip and ankle replacement when I was 17. So I was like, why is it, it's reducing the inflammation, but the joints are still getting eaten? The SSRI, I guess, is what I would say had the most benefit for me. And I did have side effects um, that weren't pleasant, but my like teenage, I don't know if I would have made it through that um, without them. Actually, and that's the point. You mentioned suicidal thoughts there, and I saw your, your great interview with Joe Rogan, but one thing that occurred to me was to explore that. You obviously went pretty close to the edge. The amount of suffering, suffering you were basically having to succumb to was huge. So to what extent were you thinking life's not worth it? Or to what extent were you always able to just pep yourself up? Well, um, I remember, so when I was a kid and I first had some suicidal thoughts, they weren't, I didn't have a plan or anything. It was just like, I wonder if people would care if I was gone. Like just, mm. just like little things like that. And I went on medication pretty quickly after that started and then it went away. Uh, the second time it happened, I was 17 and it wasn't actually depression exactly. It was pain. So, um, I was on 
a lot of pain medication for my hip. Uh, and then I had my hip done and then my ankle hurt so much that it was just like, oh no, I have to go through this again. And then they told me I had to wait three and a half years for an ankle replacement. And I like freaked out one night. I was in bed. I was like hyperventilating. I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't wait three and a half years. And, um, at that point I like made this plan. I was like, no, it wasn't three and a half years at that point. At that point they said, we don't know when. And that's what got me. It was like, I don't know when this is going to stop. Like if there's a deadline, then it's different. Um, and that night I thought, okay, if they don't tell me by the fall, then that's it. I can make it like four more months and that's it. So that was rough. But by the time the fall rolled around, we had a surgical date. Um, and then when I went to university, like how did I, I didn't pep myself up. I guess when I was 17 and I had that night where I was like, I can only do this for four more months, something like snapped and I was, it was like, this isn't what's going to take me down type of thing. So whenever I got to the point where I was like, I can't, I can't handle this. I can't handle this. I was just like, no, that is not what take, like, I'm not letting this get me. This isn't the end. Like, screw you. That That's not how it ends. So I kind of changed the depression into anger. And it, the anger is a more, it's not healthy, but it's more positive emotion. So that's how I dealt with it. It was like, no, I'm not letting this get me. That's not, that's not how it ends. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's clearly resilience. And often it manifests in you, you switch those emotions that could take you down. You switch them into anger and fighting back. And it's, it, it's a yeah. healthy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems to, it seems to have worked. Got you through it. Yeah. For a period. But yeah. this is now into the whole college period. You're eating Cheerios or whatever, <laughs> all this crap. And um, you're going to now decline again. You put on a lot of weight, I think. I put on, I gained 30 pounds in a year and a half. And I didn't have a scale. It was just like, hmm, my pants don't fit. And I was like, and like, I'm pretty, you know, exhausted and ill and on a whole bunch of medication and drinking all the time. So I wasn't as aware as I should have been. But at one point I was like, okay, this is weird. Like something. So I started going to the gym. I was like, because, you know, I gained weight. Clearly I'm not exercising enough. Started going to the gym. It was like, this isn't working. And I was exhausted. It was hard going to the gym. So I moved back home at one point. I like went through a bad university breakup and I it was like that was the end I was sleeping constantly I was really depressed it was arthritic it was itchy I moved back home and when I'm sorry go ahead oh no I just you repeatedly mentioned the sleeping constantly and the exhaustion uh, I have a friend who had undiagnosed limes for over 12 years and he went through hell but that was the first manifestation was he just had chronic fatigue and it took them 12 years to diagnose him by which time he'd taken a drug for every disease known to man. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of what well, we can get into this later, get lit we'll get into it later. Okay. Um, yeah. Chronic fatigue is a tricky one too, because, um, because you don't see it, you get blamed for it. So it's like, Oh, maybe you're just not pulling yourself out of bed. Like everyone's a little bit tired. Just try harder. And so I got that a lot. And my parents, I would say, are pretty apologetic now, especially once I was formally diagnosed with like idiopathic hypersomnia. But there was a solid period of time, maybe like seven or eight years, where it was like, Michaela, like you're being lazy. I was like, well, maybe I am being lazy. Maybe I'm just not trying hard enough. But at some point it was like my whole body would just fall asleep. But like I was sleeping in exams. Um, I started taking out, so I moved back home and I kind of clued into how badly I was doing. So I had just been coasting and being like, well, I'll take this medication, um, you know, I'll drink, I'll, I'll just coast. Mm -hmm. 
And I got home and was like, I'm really ill. Um, and I also started getting another symptom it was like my skin started getting affected. I started getting rashes and things. And I was like, I can't, this I can't handle. I can't do all these invisible illnesses and then an also a visible problem. I don't want a visible problem. Um, I started getting little tiny blisters on my fingers. Like, <laughs> just like itchy blistering, like, oh my God, too many things. Um, so I went home and started researching and started taking Adderall. And the Adderall, actually I started taking because I was driving home one day and I fell asleep and drifted into another lane. And it was like microseconds of sleep, right? But mm. I was really tired, I relaxed, fell asleep. And a truck, like giant truck, honked at me and swerved. And I was like, I'm gonna die. If I don't figure out this fatigue thing, I'm gonna die. So I started taking Adderall after that. That's a wake up call, yeah. I mean, it's happened to me once or twice and it makes you It's scary, think. Yeah, it's yeah. scary. And Adderall is a pretty significant kind of upper. Uh, Holy cow, mm. yeah. I used to try, I used to take caffeine pills and it was like nothing. Uh, coffee, nothing. Like I could sleep through anything. Started taking Adderall and I went from 10 milligrams a day and then grew, like had a tolerance, it grew pretty quickly. I went to 40 milligrams a day. 40 milligrams a day is a lot of Adderall. So I had that like beside my bed. So I'd set an alarm for seven, take the Adderall, go back to sleep. And then about, takes about 30 minutes to kick in. It takes less than that really. But I'd wake up about 30 minutes later and I'd just like spring out of bed. Cause it was like, my heart is, you know, it was a lot of Adderall, but I needed that much to actually keep myself awake. And I'd still have a nap after lunch. And it's like, I can feel my heart pumping. And it was like, I still need a nap. Um, but that's when I started really, really researching and eventually eventually got into this whole diet thing. And the skin, of course, you, you've repeatedly oh, explained man. how that really hit you personally. Whatever about all the dreadful replacements of hips, dreadful pain, to have your skin rashes and <laughs> pustules and all, that's just offensive. That it, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was like I felt like Job. <laughs> it was like not this yeah. too. Like I always had makeup to like, kind of put on a mask to face the world. And then it was like, oh no, now people can see you're sick. So basically it was time for Dr. Google, big time. Dr. Google, you hit the web. thank God for Google. Yeah, yeah, I Googled, I Googled like every skin condition imaginable and looked at horrible pictures. Um, and eventually came across like this blistering rash called dermatitis herpetiformis, um, which can happen if you have celiac disease. And interestingly enough, um, I'd never considered myself having something like that because I never had any gut pain. Like throughout this entire thing, I was like, at least I'm not allergic to food. Um, never had any gut pain. So I didn't think about celiac disease, but it turns out a huge percentage of people with celiac disease have no gut pain. And a lot of those people get this rash. So that's the first thing. So I went down like the, uh, yeah, I went down the research route and hit the whole gluten thing with celiac disease first. Um, and I cut out gluten right away. And honestly, it did not change much. <laughs> I, I was convinced it was bad for you. It was like, mm. I, I looked into, you know, what it does to the gut, you know, what kind of molecules it releases and how that can lead to leaky gut. And I was like, oh, all this is in the scientific literature. Like we know gluten triggers zonulin. Zonulin gives you leaky gut. Why didn't my doctors tell me that? So I was really confused. I was like, this is out there, celiac disease, couples with other autoimmune disorders, I have an autoimmune disorder, why wasn't I tested? Why wasn't my, why weren't my doctors telling me not to eat gluten? 
I was really confused because it's like in the literature. Um, yeah, and then things just got weirder from then, then on. Uh, I went on an elimination diet and things improved pretty quickly. Um, I gave up like a little bit into it. So I was on basically autoimmune paleo kind of um, mm. at the very beginning, um, more restricted. But I just tried to eat things that people weren't allergic to because I hadn't, I hadn't heard of any diets. Uh, I'd heard of paleo, but I hadn't delved into it at all. I didn't know what it meant. Um, so I just was like made a list of foods I thought people wouldn't be allergic to from my limited knowledge. It was no nightshades because I'd heard nightshades were bad. Mm, that's a cliche, yeah, almost. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there's no nightshades. Um, no f- f- apples were okay. Apples, um, root vegetables, except for potatoes, meat, because like no one's allergic to meat, fish. Um, eggs, I suppose no one. I wasn't, I didn't even include eggs at the beginning. Because um, that's one of like the eggs are an allergen, right? That's a pretty common one. Eggs, they, they put warnings on like if things have eggs in them, eggs, nuts, soy, uh, wheat. Yeah, I often wondered about the eggs. You're right, that has come up, but I... That's can't... like a true, not a sensitivity necessarily, but a true mm. allergy. They mm. they put that on the outside of boxes anyway. That's where I was getting my information. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mainly. From the packets. From the, like, yeah, top allergens. So you have meat, apples, I suppose, green veg, above ground, leafy veg, salad, yeah. and not much beyond that. You were, it was a strong elimination diet? It was, yeah. yeah. Um, I did that for a week. <laughs> and then um, now looking back on it, I was probably experiencing cravings because um, I'd gone pretty high carb to to that. I didn't know you get cravings and things. Mm. Um, but I reintroduced banana, almond, gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free muffins that I'd made myself. It was like the healthiest muffins you could possibly have. That's quite a few ingredients there together, though, you, you brought in. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and now I know it was probably actually bananas and almonds both gave me really bad flare ups. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. So I had a bunch of them and I woke up the next morning, my wrists were sore. Um, and by this time I should mention, I'd stopped taking my arthritis medication. I stopped, I just stopped, um, when I went gluten free because I thought, how am I going to be able to monitor my flare ups when I take out gluten, if I'm on this medication? And I wasn't really convinced it was working anyway, considering I'd had these joint replacements. I was taking Tylenol 3 every day for pain anyway. Um, So I was like, "Eh, it's not really doing anything anyway. So I stopped that. So then September rolls around, I go on this elimination diet and I reintroduced this banana almond flour muffins. And I had a really horrible um, arthritic flare up from that, which didn't just randomly happen. I was like, this isn't a coincidence. It happened too quickly. I was like in bed um, not able to walk cause of my knees and my knees never really flared up. Um, I was like, this is weird. So then I actually believed in it because I first went on it and I was like, this is stupid. Basically mm-hmm. it was like, um, my mom had brought me to a naturopath. They had given me this like a elimination diet and I'd looked at their elimination diet and thought, you know, why can I eat lemons and not oranges? Like this is mm-hmm. a stupid elimination diet. I'm, I'm maybe it wasn't, but I was skeptical and annoyed at everything and I'd been to naturopaths before and I was just just like, no, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it my way, come up with my own elimination diet. Um, so I really went into it after I had that first flare up and the first month I saw like huge results. Really. Um, I lost three pant sizes and five pounds and that 
was awesome because I was like, oh, I have abs. It's been like a month and I have abs. Like I thought I'd been going to the gym trying to get these stupid abs that never formed. And it's like, oh, that was just bloating. I was bloated. Like <laughs> that's what bloating was. Like that month was crazy. My skin healed for the first time. You know, really, it, like it, it was always kind of flaring up even after I dropped gluten. And that month my skin looked better than it had in years. So was it maybe, it was maybe 60, 70% better? I mean, not, not completely amazing, I got, but I got big. better. It like 85, mm. like huge, huge improvement. Mm. Um, and then, so I was thinking, okay, the arthritis obviously is food related. That's great news. The skin looks like it's food related. That's great news. I never even occurred to me that the depression would be food related because my dad has it or had it, my grandpa. Um, I thought, just thought that was a genetic chemical imbalance, which is, you know, what you're told. So that didn't even occur to me. Um, but three months into this limited diet, uh, my depression started to lift and I could feel like even on the medication I was taking, I could feel it go away. You can still tell you're depressed when you're taking that medication. It just, it's like it takes out, it puts a net at the bottom of the pit you're falling into. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually get rid of the, the hole. Um, and so, yeah, my depression started lifting, lifting in the wintertime in Canada, which isn't usually when depression lifts, if ever. So I stopped taking my antidepressants and I was fine. I was good. I was happier than I'd ever been. And at this point, I was still eating. Like, it's a strange story. I was still eating some rice, which later really started to bother me. I was still eating some rice, but mostly what I was eating was like, slow cooked stews. So it was like meat and root vegetables, salads, apples. Um, that was basically it. Uh, no seed oils or anything like olive oil, coconut oil, spices, but I was, yeah, spices. Um, it was pretty, pretty whole foodie limited. So it was quite simplified, kind of meat and two veg type thing, mm. pretty much. Mm. Okay, which is not a bad elimination diet, especially if you get rid of vegetable oils and all the modern fake foods and, you know, the high starch, sugary, refined carbs and sugars. So it's pretty good. And your skin had cleared up, which was a huge thing, obviously. That was your big totem. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was massive. And the depression had lifted. Sans did the drugs. The drugs were gone, but your depression was still better than it might have mm -hmm. been before. Way, it was gone. It was oh, gone. essentially gone. Oh, it was oh. it was gone at that point, like gone. I stopped taking, and when I stopped taking my SSRI, because I had thought I was going to be on that forever. Like mm -hmm. I have a YouTube video up from 2013, um, and it's like I will never stop taking this medication, it's something like that. Um, so I, I thought I was on that forever. And as an interesting aside, I know the SSRI they believe the mechanism by which it works, but I got paper sent to me literally a few days ago that they're now investigating and finding the SSRI neurological inflammation. Yeah. It, it's uh, acting on pathways, not just on the receive or receptors that they thought. Yeah. 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 So I, everything goes back. I know. Weird, huh? <laughs> Crazy. Mm. Um, so yeah, that lifted, uh, and I felt more, I felt better than I'd ever felt. Um, yeah, in my entire life. And I was really excited about it. And I got my dad to start because he was, at this point, he was overweight. He was around 218. Um, mm. And he's napping all the time. And he had GERDs. And he had this horrible, but mostly he had this horrible depression. And I was like, mine's gone. Mine's gone. I don't know how it happened, but it's gone. And he 
um, had been watching me, obviously, and like my arthritis is clearing up, like my fatigue is getting better. So at the same time, my depression lifted, my fatigue started to lift, and I stopped taking all my medication at that point. Because as soon as I let go of the SSRI, I was like, oh, if I don't have to take this, I don't have to take anything. Yeah, now that, that's a battery of huge changes. Uh, taking medication out and getting huge improvements simultaneously. So th- this is a massive shift. What time uh, chronologically this is? This is cr- 2015 December. 2015 December. At this point. Mm-hmm. Okay, so major breakthrough, and now you're really getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. And Jordan then himself is beginning to maybe leverage what you're doing, seeing well, the effect. Well, it was like, it was basically like the effect with me was so huge that he couldn't say, there's nothing to this. Because right. he, he'd been on the diet has nothing to do with anything train, which I had as well, mostly because of him. My mom had been like, we should eliminate sugar. We should eliminate meat. She, was like, she wasn't necessarily on the right track, but she was like, we should focus on diet. But dad was like, there's no scientific evidence uh, concluding diet has anything to do with anything. Um, but then when he saw these changes with me, he was like, okay, this is obviously, there's something to this. So then he started on it. And, I, and then I had my first... Well, my first unmedicated, really, really horrible food reintroduction uh, reaction. And that was after I put my dad on the diet. And if I had known how horrible the food reintroduction reactions would have been, I probably would have waited because uh, the next year was pretty bad. And this was another introduction or is this the brand muffin or the banana muffin? We've oh, no, about. that was that was that easy. Was... Like I was still on antidepressants and things like, yeah, yeah. it was a couple of days of arthritis, but... Arthritis is one thing. It's the mood stuff that is really scary. So uh, I tried to reintroduce soy in December. I talked about this on Rogan. Yeah. It was horrible. It was That was probably mm. the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. And sustained and persistent. It wasn't a, a dreadful short-term no. thing. It had legs. Three and a half weeks. Mm. I was like, who expects that from food? Well, I like, soy, I mean, yeah. But, I, but, well, now I know, but okay. I thought, I didn't know what a yeah. health food was. Mm. Like my first, the first thing I tried to get back after my elimination diet was Sour Patch Candy. Because I looked at the ingredients and I thought, there's no wheat. Um, that was basically it. I was like, the only thing that's in here is sugar and dye. No one's allergic to sugar. Because I was still thinking like allergy, right? Like. So that's where my brain was at still. I didn't know anything about diet. So Sour Patch Kids didn't go well. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> I can guess. But the soy was the real killer. And it's true, exactly what you say, Michaela, that how would you know if soy was bad? And the vast majority don't know it. And the American Heart Association are telling us to take heart-healthy vegetable oils. Now, we know vegetable oh. oils are basically effluent from an industrial runoff tank. But... but but top bodies are, are still telling us to eat these foods. But but we'll get back to the soy. So the soy experience briefly was several weeks of kind of hell. Hell, hell. Mm. Like it was like, uh, yeah, it was it was it was as if my entire world had switched into the same world, but a hell version. Um, I like ate a whole bunch, and then I had terrible digestive distress. Within like fifteen minutes, my body was like, no way. And uh, I was like, okay, no more soy, whatever. I was still in a good mood, right? My, my depression's gone, whatever. I can't eat soy, oh well. And it was soy and noodles, it, just the meal? No. Uh, so the, the meal was, uh, I had, I had uh, edamame beans, um, tofu, and miso soup. But the miso soup um, sometimes has gluten, so I had gone to a specific place to buy miso that didn't have gluten, um, and then bok choy. 
So it was basically all soy and some bok choy. And it was not the bok choy that I reacted to that badly. <laughs> um, so that happened, terrible digestive distress. I can just put it at that. And then five hours later, I got really, really itchy everywhere. I was like, oh, that's, that can't be good. Uh, I'll just go to bed. So I went to bed and the morning I woke up and I was like, something's really, really wrong. And I got into the shower and I just like bawled in the shower. It's like, how could I be so stupid thinking that this depression, like the depression was back the next day. It's like, how could I be so stupid thinking that this was food related? Like, how could I be so naive? Like I told myself I wouldn't be this naive. And so like all those thoughts, right? And I'm in the shower and I'm like crying. And then I was like, wait a minute. I ate the food. The depression was gone. It was definitely gone. Then I ate the food. Then I had this like horrible digestive reaction. Then I got itchy and now I'm depressed. Like logically this is caused by that, but I couldn't, like it was hard to get that in my head with the depression back. And then I was like, well, it'll go away maybe. Probably not because I was in that state of mind. It's like, it'll go away. And the next day it got worse and I was crying, like crying all the time. And by the nighttime, um, my brother drove me home because I needed to drive home. Like I was so out of it. I couldn't like see very well. It was really bad. And I was like, I can't drive myself. Can you drop me off at my apartment? And he dropped me off and he, I talked about this on Rogan, but I turned around to look at him to like wave goodbye. And he looked at me and his face was a demon head. <laughs> and it was, I didn't, it wasn't like a flash. Like I saw it long enough. Like he looked at me and then he turned and started driving away. And then I could see that it was my brother again. I was standing at my door and I was like, okay, <laughs> that wasn't real. I was like, great, now I've, I've made myself insane now. Now I'm insane. I thought I was crazy before, but I just hallucinated. So I, was, I like got into my bed and then spent the next three and a half weeks like miserably depressed, um, itchy. My skin broke out. My arthritis came back after about a week and it was like delayed. There were steps to it. And I wrote down everything mostly to stay sane like these are my reactions every day and just like prayed and waited to see if it would lift. And then it did in about three and a half weeks. And then I repeated that pattern with introducing foods for a year. And you were crucially, you were not going willy nilly and trying foods. You knew the extent of what could happen, uh, the duration of, of the aftermath and how long it was. So you were, I think, doing a diary and recording each introduction and being very careful to track and make sure you were clear safely for say a couple of weeks. Okay. Now that's safe because if you people just try different foods randomly, they will never decode it. Mm -hmm. No yeah. way. Not, not when the effect can last for weeks or maybe be delayed a week before it starts. Yeah. That, that I had, mm. that took a while to figure out too, but, mm. but I knew because of that first reaction, I was like, okay, three and a half weeks and I wrote it down. Yeah. Every day I wrote down all my symptoms. Uh, and now I know, you know, with reintroductions, sometimes if I'd have a little bit wrong, I'd be okay. Uh, usually it hits by day four, but I've had some experiences where it takes up to day seven. The really, the more minor ones, right? The bigger the reaction, the faster it hits. So soy was like instant. The bigger the reaction um, is either at that time or the next day, but it can take up to seven days. Um, so yeah, you gotta go super, super, super slow. That's a killer lag time with any complex problem. And your problem is certainly complex. Lag time from an input can really fool people. But yeah. congratulations, you, 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 you figured that all out and you tracked it and you got to the source. So you began to find out then there's myriad different foods that can cause a reaction. So you were heading towards a conclusion that, hey, I need an extremely limited food set to stay in this great zone. Yeah. 
and and that was trial and error as you say over pretty much 12 months of trial and error yeah okay that was pretty comprehensive work so where were you at 12 months your full learning as to what i need to eat and what i don't eat well i hadn't actually been so i i'd been able to reintroduce pears and apples Mm, fruits Mm, yeah and that was that was it i had tried but i mean to be honest like what i had tried first was can't sour patch like no wonder that didn't go well and then and then almond butter and it turns out i just developed a nut allergy an actual nut allergy so that didn't go well then soy that didn't go well uh and then i think i tried cane sugar again um that didn't go well like i wasn't doing and then i tried whey i I got like lactose free whey powder and i was really trying to find something that was easy because i couldn't i wasn't eating out and i was used to eating out all the time i was cooking everything myself i was in university i was like this is a huge pain Mm -hmm. um i just want i found this like whey protein powder from like a, a gut health store that was pure lactose and casein free whey and i was like you know it's called called as absorbed plus and I was like, oh, if I can just live off of that, like, I don't even want to eat food anymore. I had a horrible reaction to that. Um, even with the casein okay, as yeah. well as the lactose. Lactose casein free, yeah. yeah. So super sensitive. But then again, given you have an autoimmune history of such severity, your artillery and, and they're, they're very impressive artillery, the immune system, the innate and the adaptive, it's poised to react to nearly anything. So nearly anything is triggering it. I mean, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. But at this point, after the way and you've tried everything, were you beginning to just center down on, a, mm-hmm. on the ultra, ul, or an ultra elimination diet? You were closing in on that? Well, mm-hmm. um, at that point, I knew 20, I had 27 safe foods. So mm-hmm. um, I had a list of it because they were on my parents' fridge. I was like, Dad, that, nothing but that. And he had a hell of a time with that, and which mm-hmm. I guess makes sense after like 50, you know, four years of, eating whatever you wanted to. He was like, well, I'll just have a little, he was going, he was doing 99%, which would have been pretty much good enough, right? But because of this mood disorder, it wasn't good enough. And because the reactions are three and a half weeks, weeks long, every three weeks he would have like, he'd go over to his friend's house and they'd bug him and bug him and bug him about eating food. And he's very polite and he'd be like, okay, so he'd have a bite, like three and a half weeks gone, right? So then I was, I was trying to explain this and he was like, well, that doesn't just, that just doesn't make sense. Right. He like understood that's what it was like for me. Mm. He could give me that, but it was like he couldn't give it to himself. So part of the reason I was trying to reintroduce things was to vary the diet more so he would have an easier time because Mm. I was okay with being symptom free. I was like, yay, this is what life is like. Great. But he was having a really hard time with it and was still reacting. He had a miserable year that year. Like uh, I would say his mental health actually, he lost a whole bunch of weight. He stopped snoring. He stopped napping. His gurge went away his gum disease went away and his mental health just plummeted from these stupid reactions. Ironically, given all of that improvement in diet, all of those benefits, and then you get hit with one of the killer ones. I mean, yeah. neurological. Okay. Yeah, and he was still medicated and it was, and it got yeah. worse. It changed. Um, I was like, what? What is going on? So part of the reason I was doing the reintroductions was because he was having such a hard time. But I ended up with a list of 27 foods and was like, screw it. I'll just live like this. Um, Things were good and then I got pregnant and my immune system problems came back. And at first I thought it was the pregnancy. Um, we limited carbs more. We cut out all the sweet potatoes, we cut out the apples, we cut out the pears. Cause I noticed that if I ate a whole bunch of those one day, I'd be itchier the next day. 
Um, and my dad noticed his mood would be worse if he ate a whole bunch of sweet potatoes. So we cut out those. So then we were eating meat and greens. It was just meat and greens, like apple cider vinegar. Everything was organic. I've been asked like, well, are you sure it wasn't the pesticides? Like we, we cut out that variable way early on. Like, I'm not dumb. We got rid of that. Um, and my symptoms didn't go away after the pregnancy. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I was doing better than I had been on, you know, when I was doing really badly. I was still unmedicated, but I was depressed. Um, not horribly depressed, but depressed. Itchy, arthritic. Arthritic with a baby is really not a good time. Um, and so December, this is December 2017 at this point. It's been two years of playing around with diet. Uh, and I dropped the greens. I saw Sean Baker on Joe Rogan. And wow. I'd been I'd been considering going down to meat, but I was getting a lot of hell for l- not getting enough nutrients. And especially because I was breastfeeding. I was People were like, well, you need your vitamins. You can't. You're mm-hmm. already not getting enough vitamins from this limited diet, probably. Um, so I was scared, mostly because of the baby. Um, but then I saw Joe Rogan and was like, whatever, I'm just going to do it. Uh, so I went down to just meat, December, 2017. Just meat and water, of course, no, even drinks of note, just water. Yeah. At that point it was just water, water yeah. and uh, chicken and beef. That was what I started on. Okay. And of course you knew in terms of nutrients, you know, maybe long-term without these vegetables, there might be some element of lack of certain nutrients, vitamins, minerals, but I suppose you could always do it for four or eight weeks you can do anything for four or eight weeks to try it out. So you're kind of just doing that really. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. That was the plan. That was the plan. Mm. Um, so I did that. Um, and pretty quickly. So within the first week, my itching and arthritis went away. Um, and I wasn't like, I wasn't itchy. Like I had been before. Like I was so mm. itchy when I was on a regular diet that I had, I wore fake nails because when I was asleep, I'd scratch my legs till they bled. That's how itchy I was. <laughs> so I wore fake nails so I wouldn't scratch myself till I bled. So this itch was just an annoying itch. It wasn't like a, this is ruining my life itch. Um, so that went away within the first week, but my digestion was just a mess. I had bloating when I ate and diarrhea. And I was like, this never happened when I was eating salad. It's not like I have a meat sensitivity. So what's happening? So I thought, well, obviously you need vegetables and this is stupid. So I stopped. (laughs) Um, And I reintroduced what I was eating before, which was literally like lettuce and apple cider vinegar and olive oil and salt and pepper. And I had a salad. Um, There's some olives in there too, organic olives with no added ingredients. Uh, And I woke up the next day and I was itchy and arthritic again. Uh, So to to apparently... And my digestion was normal. Right. Like swap backwards. So you've got this impossible trade off the razor's edge. You you can have have your symptoms be at their best with just meat and water, but you've got diarrhea and cramping and bloating alone, kind of singularly. Yeah. Uh, then you put back in olives and some lettuce and other bits and pieces and your digestion gets okay, but some of your more more challenging more things serious, come yeah. back. Yeah. So now I guess you switch back again to meat and water only. Yeah. Yeah. It was frustrating. Yeah. It's like, are you, se- is this something I have to choose between? Like, why is this happening to me? Just to know there, actually, most people will tend not to believe this because I suppose like your father, we all 
we all have been brought up to believe in it's genetics diet can only do a little bit you must eat this way it's healthy everyone is programmed i know from birth i was programmed that saturated fat gives you heart disease i was not programmed that sugar gave you heart disease so i had reverse programming we all have yeah but anyway I, I know and and honestly like i've been there i had people when i was depressed too, be like why don't you fix your diet which is a really negative way of trying to get someone to fix their diet because it's like you're doing something wrong and this is your fault um but i was like how dare you suggest something this serious could be caused by diet right so i've been there and especially if you have a mood disorder and you're mental health is affected like you're sensitive to suggestions that it's something you're do that you could change especially because you get hopeful occasionally like you try a whole bunch of things to get rid of all these problems and when none of them work eventually you're like i'm done i can't can't mm. deal with the hope anymore i get you're, it you're dispirited but the irony is you just need a lot of um intellectual horsepower and logic etc etc to to negotiate your way through all the things you did to get to the end and the vast majority of people don't have the wherewithal to do what you did they would have fallen down with all the kind of counterintuitive responses and and ambiguities they would have just fallen down and ended up on some generic diet you actually persisted through to the actual very end which was the true solution and that's something to be highly commended that's extremely rare I mean, Thank you. really rare. I worked in complex engineering problem solving and even amongst engineers, there's only a small percentage who can deal with the most complex, ambiguous, counterintuitive, twisting ones. It's very rare. So fair play to you. Oh, thank you. Seriously. It's like it's been I've had my mind blown like multiple times throughout this whole thing with things changing, even just like, you know, overweight, having that have to do with diet. That blew my mind. And then I was walking, I've been like, you know, walked down the street in 2015, especially and saw all these people who are like, they're tired or they're falling asleep on the subway and they're overweight. And I'm like, oh my God. So I stopped taking the subway for a while because I was like, all these poor suffering people and they have no idea that we, you know, the muffin they had as a snack because they were hungry is what's making them miserable. And I was like, ah, yeah, it's been a wild ride. It's frightening. Yeah, it's frightening. And now the latest figures are around 64% of adult Americans over 45 are now essentially diabetic. And that's CDC figures. If you measure their insulin, it'd be more like 75%. So we live in a world where it's not acknowledged, but because it's normal. Well, it's almost they only measure the glucose, they don't measure the insulin. So they don't really acknowledge it publicly. But three quarters of your adult population is diabetic. Uh, Something's gone wrong. And it's not genetics. And it's not exercise. You know, mm-hmm. everyone didn't get lazy 40, 50 years ago. That's what you're told. You're like, well, now everyone has an office job and everyone's lazy. Yeah. Re- everybody is lazy. That's the. America all during the 60s and 70s, two cars, boom, post-war. There were no gyms. You go look at the black and white photos from back of then. And you look at Woodstock and all. Everyone is slim and yeah. there's automobiles everywhere. No gyms. Yeah. They were not eating the modern toxic food. But anyway, that's an aside. So yeah. you're, you're, you've come now to, your 27 has compressed down. You're coming to kind of meat and water and just a few other things at this point in uh, 17. Um, I'm at, so that's December 2017. I'm at beef, chicken, and water and salt. I think for the first week I also had pepper. And then I dropped the pepper. It's like, eh, I'll just, okay, just drop. I like pepper, but I dropped mm, the pepper. Same here. Yeah, yeah, a lot of pepper. Um, so I dropped the pepper, 
And then, so I'm, I still have this digestive problem. I'm like, whatever, I'll just deal with it. And then I start getting dizzy after I eat chicken. And I'd been surviving off of like chick- chicken wings for mo- most of my pregnancy. Seeming like I wasn't getting this dizzy problem. And I had associated this weird dizzy drunken feeling with eating sugar, like carbs. Sometimes I'd eat, I'd eat a bunch of carbs. I noticed if I had a whole bunch of sweet potatoes, I'd get kind of like brain fog, dizziness. Um, and then I started getting it with chicken and I was like, really? This isn't possible. So I tried like tested it out five times and then I cut out chicken. And I was like, okay, I'm just doing beef, beef and salt and water. And my digestive symptoms improved at about six weeks, took six weeks. Um, and then that's when my mood also improved finally. So my itching and arthritis had kind of gone down really quickly in about a week. But then I had this, which I now know are transition symptoms, even just from dropping the lettuce. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. I was just like, hope this goes away. Um, and my mood stabilized at about six weeks. And then at about five months, I started getting like these, the happier, the positive feelings. It took a while to get back though. It wasn't like when I first went low carb, I swear things happened faster. But then after the pregnancy, it took a while to heal from whatever it was. But um, things have been very, very good. Like this year, 2018, I guess, has been the best year of my life for sure. In then right. yeah, it's it's been it's been crazy. So all of your issues resolved and a much heightened mood over any period in the past. Basically, all boxes ticked, as good as it gets nearly after a long period on this diet. But the first six weeks though of meat and water first only. First six weeks were iffy. Uh, in a digestive sense, Digest- primarily purely digest diarrhea, yeah. kind of I just- dizziness. After oh, I and dizziness. Also, oh, transition, significant transition period. Significant. Yeah. And that was just really dropping salad, uh, <laughs> like yeah. lettuce. It wasn't even like a salad. It was like lettuce and olives. Right. Well, they could have been interacting with your biome at the time, and a sudden lack of any plant material could precipitate maybe something tricky I, I think, for a period. I think. So, mm. actually, I'll get into this a little bit later because it, yeah. it gets more interesting. But one thing I'd like to clarify. Um, my mood actually was more positive when I went low carb than it has been on the carnivore diet. So I've been mm. stable, but stable like like a wolf. <laughs> like <laughs> when I first went low carb, I was like thrilled about life and things. And I mm. haven't been able to get to that, but I think I found out why. So I had these really horrible digestive problems and then they per- kind of resolved, but it was still wasn't great. And but it was like, whatever, I'm in a pretty stable place. I'm good. Like I'm happy. I've lost, I lost like 10 pounds as soon as I went pregnancy weight, as soon as I went on the diet, like my arthritis is gone. Like I could live like this forever and I'd be okay. Like I'd I'd be good compared to before. Um, anyway, in September, I did a whole bunch of tests and found out I have C difficile, Mm. which explains part of the digestive problem. And I think that probably explains the mood not being as good as it should be because C. difficile, which is normally saved for immunosuppressed, you know, people in nursing homes or people who've been on antibiotics for a long time. And it's a very serious infection. Um, And I hadn't taken antibiotics. The only thing I did that precipitated these symptoms was switch the diet to the all meat diet. Maybe I had it before then and I didn't have symptoms. I have no idea what happened, but I found out I have had C. diff in September. 
And then I was like, well, I'm not taking antibiotics to get rid of it. That seems stupid. Um, so I went and did a microbiome transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to the Bahamas recently, like a couple weeks ago. It's all the rage. God, I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like, is this what I have? Like, there are so many things in life I haven't experienced, but now I've experienced this. It's great. Mm. Um, and nothing really changed. And then my s- symptoms started to go away. And I started to get this happy feeling again. So I'm still only eating meat, which you could say is a problem with a new microbiome. We can get, we can deal with that later. But um, uh, I think the reason my mood didn't get as good as it was was because I had this underlying infection for a while. <laughs> but it's just like one thing. It's I've just been battling like, just battling one thing at a time. But the meat diet has, even even with C difficile infection, this has been the best year of my life. <laughs> and and post the C difficile, uh, was it somewhat resolved or? Yeah, yeah, it's resolved really recently. Really recently, really gotcha. recently. So, so you have to wait like, a little to see yeah. how that pans. Yeah, yeah, I have to wait a little to see how that pans. But um, as soon as it started resolving, my sleep drastically improved. Like um, I stopped sleeping after I had my baby, and I thought it was because I was a mom, and moms just don't sleep. So I like I, I, I sleep with white noise because any sound wakes me up. Um, I thought that was just from having a baby, but since the C difficile's been gone, I can sleep. So I think I've been dealing with not sleeping very well. Um, and the other thing that's happened is I've been getting these like happy feelings that I got when I first got, went low carb, um, like, like excessively positive feelings. So that's very recent though. So it's hard to say, and I'm pretty careful at not putting too much emphasis on anything until I've like seen it through for a while. So I need like a couple of months we can rediscuss. But I think the reason I didn't get as good as I was low carb on this meat diet isn't the diet. I think it was the underlying infection. C. difficile, yeah. No, no, methodologically you're very thorough. So yeah, you're, you're, every signal you're going to wait and see for sure. Uh, these moments of, what did Greenspan say? Irrational exuberance. Um, so these little highs, they're, ju- they're just nice little highs though. They're not like kind of manic. Oh, manic episodes. No, no, no. no. <laughs> just have to check. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Fair enough. It's not, no, no, no. I know the difference too. I've, I've yeah. had like hypomanic episodes. I know what those are like. Yeah. No, this is like positive, just positive feelings. And I think I know exactly what you mean. I, my mood certainly improved greatly and I'm in no way comparing to you. I, I had insulin resistance syndrome problems, but none of what you talk about. But when I switched to low carb, high nutrient dense food, I obviously, the weight fell off me 30 pounds. Uh, all my blood markers got better. Uh, extraordinarily better but my mood and my sleep as well all improved and significantly Mm -hmm. I think I had I began to have those little moments of just hey life is good yeah right (laughs) you know you're in the car maybe the sun comes out from behind the cloud and suddenly you say hey life's not bad and I've never (laughs) experienced that like my brother used to walk down oh I used to see people walking down the street smiling Mm. and be like what is wrong with them they're on drugs yeah they're on drugs basically (laughs) like if if life is good then you're just at neutral Right. Mm. I didn't realize that if life is good, you're actually just happy about being around. It's a great feeling. It's a it great, truly it's is. a great feeling. Yeah. yeah. So this is, so now you are really cresting into happy life, everything pretty much right, but you may not be getting the nutrients you need. That that's one, some, something someone could say. I, yeah, I'm not convinced of that. So I'm, um, I've had vitamin testing. It's, it's too bad. I'm getting one back probably tomorrow. Um, and I'll update my blog. I've been putting all my blood work on my blog. Um, I did 
vitamin testing, not, I did it through my doctor, but I did it through a naturopath as well that looked at um, intracellular levels of vitamins. And my zinc is low and my vitamin D is low. And neither of those should be low on this diet. Everything else is normal. My B vitamins have all recovered. Um, when I was low carb, um, my B vitamins, except for B12, all the other ones were low. And those are all good now. Okay, so most of your vi vitamin status has improved. What remains a bit low is zinc, zinc and, and vitamin, vitamin D. D. But those have been low since I was a kid. And I think that has to do with whatever is making me as sensitive as I am. Actually, yeah, vitamin D is very interesting because there's so many people now who are inflamed or have autoimmune issues in today's world with our food supply that people are driving down their D status. So the disease state is causing the D to be lowered. So simply throwing D pills in is not going to fix that. You need to fix the root cause, mm -hmm. which is what essentially you have now, it appears largely done. So I'm guessing your D status may gently rise now. I'm hoping. I mean, I'm going to keep testing. Um, we'll see. I mean, I can't imagine having C. difficile for who knows how long um, would help any vitamin level or anything. Um, yeah, so I'll just keep testing and waiting. Right, very good. So another one is vitamin C. You know, there's a lot of controversy around that now that maybe on a very low carb diet, because vitamin C is needed for glucose metabolism, you may not need as much vitamin C. And I guess you're getting vitamin C through the meat you're eating at, at least low levels. Low levels. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. And um, mm. I mean, vitamin C is normal. Like calcium, I've been bothered about calcium. Calcium's mm. normal. Like everything's normal except for zinc and vitamin D, but I don't think that's diet related. I mean, zinc certainly isn't. Right. And you are by eliminating, of course, the um, salicylates and all of the plant things that may cause people issue. Well, they're all kind of by definition eliminated now. Yeah. So any anti-nutrients or phytates or any of those things, by definition, they're they're taken off the table in your diet. Yeah, yeah. I've eliminated mm. like everything I could eliminate, basically. Yeah. And missing fiber then. So fiber has importance. I think it's much more important to have plenty of fiber. If you're eating a high glycemic or a high carb diet, it will have mitigating properties against that diet. But if you're eating your diet, how is your digestion generally bar the C difficile? Well, like since, <laughs> since it's gone, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. But like, mm. I'm, I'm a bad example, unfortunately, of that because I've had the C difficile problem. So I like, but I mean, you know, you're supposed to be eating fiber, what? So you're not constipated. That, that hasn't been an issue. I haven't heard of anyone, uh, especially if they're not including dairy, doing the carnivore diet that has constipation issues. Seems to be veering the other way, if anything. Um, mm. So, I mean, so far, so good since the C. diff is gone. Yeah. Like, like fantastic. No bloating, like nothing. Yeah. And dairy, you mentioned dairy, dairy and the casein in it. Um, has come up as problematic for many people dairy even people who don't have issues with other plant foods dairy comes up quite a lot and and with say apoe4 genotype mm -hmm. people who are uh, who have had heart disease they they their inflammatory markers can rise relating to eating cheeses and dairy yep. so i think dairy has some questions mar marks around it unless you're fully tolerant yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty skeptical of dairy. Like if, if you mm. go to my blog and I say, you know, if there are some things you have to eliminate, like, well, get rid of processed foods, get rid of sugar, get rid of soy. Get, gr the least you can do is get rid of gluten. Grains would be preferable and get rid of dairy. And so I do lump that in um, mm. 
because it was so mostly because it was really hard on me. I also think perhaps some of the studies that have been done on animal protein being bad for you for, first of all, maybe those studies just aren't done properly in general and should be like booted off to the side, but also lumping dairy in with meat and then seeing ill health effects. Maybe it was the dairy, not the meat. I'm not entirely sure. I just know it was really hard on me. And when I tried to introduce casein free lactose free way, I still reacted to that terribly. Um, so mm. yeah, I'm skeptical of dairy. So anyone with significant issues, irritable bowel, bowel issues, autoimmune or anything you really want to get rid of that, that is very difficult for the medical system to get rid of or medications, you kind of have to go towards the ultimate elimination diet and really carefully bring things back in. And really dairy, carefully. I'd agree with you yeah, as well, uh, to be honest, Michaela, that dairy, dairy comes up a lot and mixing dairy in with, with meat and fat and protein is a little problematic yeah, because it's not the same. I'd love to see them separated. And I know Dr. Stephen Gundry, uh, interestingly, actually, he has the Plant Paradox book where he lays out all the challenges for certain people with myriad plant foods. Mm -hmm. And he also specializes in APOE4 people who have challenges with uh, fat and protein, animal, dairy, and it can raise their inflammatory markers. But I think he too would acknowledge he he mixes dairy in with the animal uh, kind of fat and protein and it would be good. I must try and get him on the podcast and see can we tease those apart, yeah. if you will. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good to tease those apart. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Excellent. So you're feeling great. You're you're on the top of your game, shall mm -hmm. we say? Mm -hmm. And your father Jordan is now even higher in his game than he was. The God knows he was high enough. He's pretty much meat and water too, essentially yeah. similar. He's meat and yeah. water, yeah. And I think beef, I, beef, beef. He has chicken occasionally, and he thinks it's okay, but he's mainly beef. Ah, uh, yeah, very good. Well, I saw him last July. I went with a couple of doctor colleagues uh, to uh, in Dublin. He did a big show, I think it was Sam Harris. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Oh, they were on fire, but but he's always on fire. So yeah, yeah, he's doing good. Yeah. So father and daughter both doing fantastic on a very unusual but fascinating diet that seems to have the ability to fix things which are in unfixable, really. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's been crazy. It's been crazy. But crazy good in the end. Crazy good, yeah. yeah. No, I'm doing great. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Michaela. Thank Long you. Long may it last. Thank you.